John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. have accessed entry 786.LK0161, certificate number 21831, middle initials. Roger O. Thornhill. What do you stand for? Nothing. Uh, listeners probably already know that uh, in order to keep this uh, academic project we're doing, the Omnibus, going in our time, mm-hmm. you know, we needed a source of outside funding. Yes. And you and I just want a, some corporation to step up. Yeah. For, Weyerhaeuser, uh, Omnibus Hour. I, l- I love that you pronounce that Weyerhaeuser. Ta- Texaco. Well, 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 how, you've lived in the Northwest your, most of your uh, life. You don't know how to pronounce Weyerhaeuser? Is that right? Weyerhaeuser? Weyerhaeuser, yeah. It's got a Y, though. Yeah, but it's- But don't say it's it. A, it's a silent Y. Don't say the Y. <laughs> Weyerhaeuser. I'm a stickler for the Y. You can, you can like dip down into the Y a little bit, Weyerhaeuser, but, Every, you, but it's Weyerhaeuser. They're just saying it wrong. I'm going to de-Ellis Island <laughs> the Weyerhaeusers. Weyerhaeuser. But yes, uh, yes, I keep thinking that there's got to be some corporation that is also dedicated to the preservation of of- history that may be otherwise lost to time that could underwrite the show, uh, at the level of, well, what, what would we say? Well, how, how much would it cost for us to sell our souls to a, to a major corporation? I think we could do the show for 30 million a year, 30 million a year. Like that's it. Yeah. Like that's all it would take. That's, and that's everything top to bottom. But think about, think about the exposure that they would get. Oh, sure. Two times a week, you know, it'd be incalculable. Omnibus sponsored by. Texaco. <laughs> hey, Ken, my episode today is on the refinement of kerosene. <laughs> it's on about solar panels and also how they're bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in the absence of climate a, change is a hoax, Ken. The, as we know, in the absence of a corporate sponsor, uh, we've had a grassroots movement of like minded individuals. Uh, who support the show every month on our Patreon. We recognize that a hive mind is, is as good as a corporation. Better, yeah. better because there's no, um, there's no marketing or public relations person to email us. There's hundreds of them, but they have no power. <laughs> so we can just laugh at the emails and delete them. <laughs> I wondered why I felt such a, a sense of overwhelming calm. And it's true. We never get a single email anymore from somebody saying, Hey, we're going to need you to get up at six and get on the, hop on a call. Right. People, nobody wants us to hop on a call anymore and it's great. Although one of the perks we offer uh, at a certain tier of it, we're not above prostituting ourselves in any way. Well, no, no, literally in any way. Anything's on the table. I will prostitute myself, but there are limitations. Uh, John, no, no kissing. If you at the washing bear level of donation at our Patreon, uh, John will give you a lap dance Mm. and I will, uh, do an omnibus topic of your choice. I mean, I'll give you, I, I won't take my jeans off. It'll be like a jeans on lap dance. Your lap, your lap can be a clothed lap oh, or an unclothed lap. Oh, it's that's still right. a lap. A lap dance is I will provide the lap. Ah, I see. Yeah. I see. And they d- have to dance yeah. on you? Yeah, they can dance in my lap. You're so that's generous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what giving a lap dance should be. I've got a killer lap is the thing. Uh, yeah, you've probably been Santa. I was Santa, I was uh, Seattle's indie rock Santa for over a decade. Your lap got used once a year. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, there are, there's at least one couple 
um, who got married as a result of meeting on my in lap. In your lap. Yeah. A couple of, a couple of. Because uh, you, 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 you spread your legs a little and they slid into each other and history was made. Well, one of them was a rather large fellow and one of them was a more a s- diminutively sized fellow. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, and I was definitely a Santa that was like, you know, the more the merrier. So, you know, sometimes I'd have eight or nine people kind of all sitting on top of me, all sort of having, you know, they're all wiggling. It was a good time. The crazy thing is before they sat down on your lap that Christmas Eve, they were both straight. They, <laughs> that's right. That's, and they looked at each other. It's a Christmas miracle. Yeah, they looked at each other across a crowded lap <laughs> and they're just, the, the romance sparked and they're married to this day. They're, they're happily still, um, in fact, I see one of them in, in our book group. Is that why there is a prominent uh, gay bar on Capitol Hill called John Roderick's Lap? John Roderick's Lap. Because I always wondered the story. There has to be a story, I thought, every yeah. time I, I walked by or, or in or out. Yeah, it's kind of a sort of a daddy leather bar now. <laughs> but, but yeah, Indy Rock. <laughs> it was originally Christmas themed year round. Uh, Indy Rock Santa, you know, it, ha- it did happen late at night in bars. I had, they would put a big throne it was originally at the Crocodile and then it moved around. And I would sit there, oh, and I had my Santa suit on. And the and they would just line up, and I I was never happier. Frankly, never happier in my life. <laughs> but in addition to Santa privileges from John, you can suggest a uh, a topic for the omnibus to cover, mm-hmm. and we will collaborate on. So, you know, if we get a list that feels like homework, I don't, I don't like. I don't know about you. I like guidance, but I don't like an assignment. I like I like some strictures, but I don't want to feel like I'm. Uh, writing a report for you. A, a few times people have made suggestions and in researching those suggestions, I found a different show and I feel like that qualifies. I mean, they gave me a prompt and I, you know, a leopard in Germany. Think of a funny place <laughs> where we could do an omnibus. Somebody <laughs> yell one out. Uh, yeah, I think if we if we discuss the suggested topic enough. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but these are, these are Patreon perks uh, for our supporters. And so we want to make it uh, clear to everyone listening that it's actually really great and we totally take your idea in it and it makes the show better. And so we have a queue of people who have given at the Washington Bear level this year and we're, we're knocking out their their show ideas. And here's here's what we received from one, one uh, Tom uh, Dignan. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Tom Dignan. There may be a silent U like the Y in uh, Weyerhaeuser. Uh, is that, where is the, where's the U in that? Between name? the D and the I. Dignan. Duignan. 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 Tom Duignan. It could be French. Duignan. Duignan. Tom Dualipa writes, I have one thing that has always bugged me. This is his idea for a show topic. He only has one thing that bugged him? Boy, if if only we had a a serene life as Tom from Ireland. 40 things in this room that bugged me. I'm Irish, but have a keen interest in North America. What is it with U.S. names? I'm talking about, what is it with U.S. names? I'm talking about things like using the initial of the first name with the full second name. For example, C. Montgomery Burns. This is his example. Of right, right, right. I get particularly riled up by something like Tom Dignan III or Tom Dignan Jr. This isn't found in the rest of the Anglo-Saxon world to the best of my knowledge, so I'd like to know the origin of this. This feels like a male thing too, but are there female equivalents? You're sincerely T. Joseph Dwignan. Dwignan. Interestingly, as I think about it, it's often the letter C. C. Thomas Howell, the actor. (laughs) And my own... C. Dick Run, the (laughs) uh, dick. My own uncle, C. Calvert Knudsen. Did he go? But he went by Cal. He went by Cal. But on his desk, his his little nameplate would say C. Calvert Knudsen. C. Calvert Knudsen. That's that's how he signed everything, and that's how he... um, That's how his name appeared on all corporate... Uh, correspondence. It was like those old WPA posters. It would be like, see Old Faithful, see the Grand Canyon, see Calvert Knutson. The, the letter C in this case, see Calvert. And I, I mean, Calvert alone is kind of a fun uh, name that you don't hear that often. You could, you might dig a, a, a Calvert. I don't know very many children named Cal, do you? And no. It's one of those names that kind of went away. I knew a Calvin my age, but I've never met a Calvin younger than me. Well, but Calvert. I know, I understand. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying most Cals are not Calverts. Right, they're Calvins. They could potentially be Callahans hmm. or Cal... You know, Callahan would be a good girl's name. Caldrick? Yeah, Caldrick. If there was an NBA player named Caldrick, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't bat, bat an eyelash. Caldricks. 
With an X. With an X. But yeah. And Ask I, your doctor if Caldrix <laughs> is right for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, I, we, we unfortunately gave my daughter several names, uh, which we'll probably talk about more. But I've, I've suggested to her a couple of times that she start her name with a, with a, a single letter period and then some, some su- subsequent name. Um, and uh, so far she's rejected it. And I think it's because it does seem kind of like a boy thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the junior and, and senior, the junior and the third thing that so bothers Tom, we're not going to probably get into that much. Although I do agree that it's I, his, I was able to corroborate his finding, which I don't think I was aware of that. It's not in common usage really anywhere else. In the, I mean, maybe Canada, which is you know, America North, we call it, but the, the UK uh, and Ireland, and I don't think even Australia and New Zealand, New Zealand used junior and senior. My dad was a junior and never, ever used it. And if you mentioned it to him, he would, he would, uh, scowl, scowl at you. Um, but I had a friend in, in high school, Richard Winfield Garnett, the third, uh, and I used to really object to him calling himself the third, because my understanding was that you had to have a, you had to have the, the first die. Wait, you could, you had, oh wait, it was. They all had to be alive at the same time. They all had to be alive at the same time, right? And his grandfather had died. And I said, that makes you Richard Winfield Garnett the second. And he was like, no, 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 the third could, it it was a, it was a major. I've looked into the etiquette on this and there's no, there's no formal definition. Miss Manners actually believes in your finding that. Uh, everybody moves up one when somebody moves. dies, but that's just proof that you and Miss Manners are agents of chaos. Yeah, because that's insane. I learned why so should I? Much why should I change my name anytime s- someone of a different generation dies? That's absolutely insane. All of this is made up anyway. It is. Yeah. Why, why not make up a convenient version where I get to like uh, keep my name if I so choose? That's not how etiquette rules work. It <laughs> is. It, it's intended to be more complicated, not less. The, uh, but I do want, I am interested in the subject of middle initials and, uh, you know, to get into why there are C. Thomas Howells and, uh, L. Ron Hubbard's and, and whatnot oh, out there in the wild, a, just a Whitney Brown's just running wild uh-huh. in, in the woods of new England somewhere. Um, you, you do have to understand how middle initials originated. Oh, how middle initials originated before we can fully appreciate how first initials. Yes. The initials, uh, because middle initials are a fairly modern invention. Oh. Middle names are surprisingly modern. I mean, the ro- you have a middle name that's, uh, you, you never use or. Oh, a- well, I mean, when I was young, I was known by all my family members as John Morgan. And they never said the one without the other. John Morgan. Because there were other Johns? No. Oh, I see. There were no other. Oh, well, the Johns from the earlier generation. So, okay. So this is something interesting. Well, interesting, well, at least be, to me. That would be unprecedented for Omnibus, <laughs> but all right, go ahead. All of the Johns in my family at the age of um, majority turned to Jacks. So they were Johns as boys and then became Jacks. Would it happen in the night? Uh, it did. Is it yeah. like the Tooth Fairy? I, oh, I think it was when they stopped wearing short pants and stopped needing a hook to lace up their boots. But I had I had two Uncle Jacks, both who, of whom had been known as John as children. And so in my family, John is thought of, I mean, although it's our proper names, it's thought of as a child's name. And then you migrate to Jack. I was known as John Morgan. John Morgan! And uh, there are still family members that call me that. That's somebody yelling for you as a child. John Morgan, John Morgan! Mary Hartman, <laughs> John boy. It does sound like somebody yelling to one of the Waltons to go fetch some water or, or to, to feed the hens. And I think some of it was derived from a kind of Kennedy's version of John Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, but then somehow when I became a grown up, I did not get to be Jack. I wasn't, I didn't transfer to Jack. And part of it was that the, that the Jacks were still alive. The old, the, the older generation. It's just Peter Pan syndrome. You never grew up. Well, that too. At some point you could decide to be Jack. At some point I, and there are people that, that call me Jack, but it's just a, it's kind of a, I don't know. It's a, a romantic name, but, uh, I, what happened was I lost Morgan. So people in my family stopped calling me John Morgan, except for the, the truly old ones. I was surprised see to see your Wikipedia boy. calls you John Morgan. It does? Because I, yeah, I yeah. think, cause I'd never, I had never. I'd never seen you, you know, 
I've seen that on a check or a weird, your house is full of weird plaques with your name on it. And none mm. of them have that middle name or initial. John Morgan. Well, I, and. But you're John M. Roderick. John M. Roderick. In, right. In the language of middle initials. And I think maybe at one point when I was 21, I briefly styled myself as J. Morgan Roderick. Uh, yeah, see? The, the, first time I, the first time I put my name in the phone book, well, actually, the first time I put my name in the phone book, I said, I called me, myself John Ignatius Roderick because I was an insufferable 18-year-old. You had just read Confederacy of Dunces yeah. or, or you just didn't want to get phone calls? Yeah, both. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was like a gnome, gnome de phone book. But, I is a weird middle initial. It really, you don't trust somebody who has, I mean, if somebody has an X as a middle initial, you're like, fine, this guy's Catholic. Sure. Xavier. Yeah. But if somebody has I as a middle initial, you really wonder what went wrong. Ken I Jennings. Well, yeah, but I mean, you could be Catholic. You could be a, you could be a, a, <laughs> a Jesuit. Ken, uh, Ken Ignatius Roderick. No, but J.M., J. Morgan Roderick seemed, because Morgan's a good, that could be a good name. I could have been known as Morgan. Sure. I'm kind of a Morgan, wouldn't you say? Morgan Roderick sounds like, what is that? Morgan Roderick. Uh, that's very Welsh. What if I was- You're an old West author. What if something? I were like Morgan John Roderick? Mm. Morgan John Roderick. It's pretty good. You know, multiple names go back to the- Well, now wait, what's your middle name? Wayne. The W's for <laughs> Wayne. Serial killer middle Ken name. Ken W. Jennings. Yeah, I, I've seen that. And I'm the third, and I did not advance when previous- Kenneth Wayne Jennings passed. Oh, you're Kenneth Wayne Jennings III. You never put that on your checks. I don't. <laughs> For the same reason that Richard Winfield Garnett III did use it. Oh, I see. Because he thought it sounded important. That's why you objected to that, because it, it applies directly to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, would, I would have moved up to junior now. Yeah. But it, re it requires my dad to decide he wants to be senior. Oh, so he's keeping the two, and that forces you to keep the three. No. He's still junior. Yeah. Oh, junior, yeah. right. So, but that's what forces you. He likes to say that, uh, you know, because I'm always Ken Jennings in the press and he's Ken Jennings Jr. It's really been a, it's not really <laughs> identity crisis and possibly time travel paradox for him that he's, that he sounds like the, the son of his own son. It's, uh, you know, Bill Gates is a junior. Yes. Uh, but what, uh, the way they differentiate it is that uh, his father calls himself William Gates Sr., and that's, that's one you don't. Your father could just become senior. He could, if he believed in your mismanners, agent of chaos, everybody moves up one all the time. But doesn't that sound better? Ken Kenneth Wayne Jennings Sr.? That's, like, you think you'd be a, you, he, he should be um, just aspiring his whole life to become a senior? To yeah. It, break he, out of that junior mold? He goes from sounding like a serial killer cowboy to sounding like a bank president. Yes. Kenneth Wayne Jr. is just... Senior does get used less. Yeah. The, the, fir the first of the name can just leave it off. He's the original. Why right. should he have to? He's the rhyme animal. It would be a retronym to call him senior. He was, you know, he, he lived his whole life without being a senior until he had a child. You don't want to change your name just because you named a kid after you. You don't? Seems like Why a would, hassle. You already named a kid after you. You've definitely got an inflated sense of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the tendency to name children after uh ancestors after their after their genealogical legacy or heritage is really at the core of what created middle names because morgan is the, uh, is a family name is that right yeah you, a family last a family name. surname yeah. yeah um you know the romans had three names often gaius julius caesar you know they would be uh there would be a prenomen which was like your personal name you know gaius was julius caesar's equivalent of john or ken and then Julius is your nomen, your family name. Oh, sure. Uh, that, you know, that was the equivalent of the surname. And then the third name, which is often what we remember today, you know, the, the Cicero or whatever, that was called the cognomen, which, you know, originally was a kind of nickname. Uh, later, it became a kind of a supplemental hereditary name to, to distinguish between different branches of the family. Yeah. You know how you would, you, you know, uh, I have this problem today. You know, I just, I had my brother's family visiting me. That's the, that's also the Jenningses. And then my parents came over from Squim to go to the ball game with us and they were the Jenningses too. So I can't tell my sister, yeah, the Jenningses were staying with us because I'm the Jenningses. So, so you can say the Olympic Gen Jenningses right. or the Utah Jenningses. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. So this would, the, the Roman cogn cognomen became kind of the equivalent of that, or if you did something awesome in your life, 
your cognomen could become a, a sign of that. Like if you won a battle, you could become Magnus or Maximus or something. Right. So your dad is Ken Jennings Jr. You are Ken Jennings Jeopardy. Jeopardyus. That's <laughs> Jeopardy-us. right. Jeopardyus. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a cognomen you would use? Huh. No. I mean, there are some that Rudericus Rutter- <laughs> Longwinterus. There are some. There are some nicknames that people might apply to me, but I'm not going to adopt them myself. And as a result, you could have it, it became fashionable because fads always sprawl to have multiple cognomena where if you accomplished multiple things, you would just keep adding names. And this seems a little odd to us to have the family name in the middle and then a series of kind of descriptive or or delimiting titles. But it's, this is the exact same system that's used today in a lot of uh, East African cultures actually. Um, So it's apparently there's something intuitive about it because I assume these Bantu people did not get it from reading about Cicero. Well, in Hungary, the last name is first, yeah. and that's true in Korea too, right? Yeah, and uh, and China and it's, it's Japan as well. Oh, the last name is first, really? Oh, I didn't realize that about Japan and China. I mean, you can say it in, it's commonly anglicized, especially for Japanese people, you would say, well, it's Ichiro Suzuki, but but if they were saying it in the old-fashioned way, the, the native way, they would say Suzuki Ichiro. You put the surname first. I did not know. Maybe that's part of the Asian ethos of putting family before self. Yeah. You literally do it. I wonder about the Hungarians because it's not something that happens anywhere else in Europe. But then, of course, they aren't from Europe, the Hungarians. Don't get me started. The Hun. On the Mygars. The Hun in Hungary is is for Hun, right? Right. Um, It's for honey. (laughs) Honey, I'm home. I'm I'm Franz, composer Franz Liszt, or Liszt Franz, you would call me, since we're both Hungarian. Hello, Tushy. Hello, Tushy. Tushy, Tushy, Tushy. Hello. Is that Partridge Family? (laughs) Hello, Tushy, my old friend. How about a sad version, like a a minor key acoustic guitar? Hello, Tushy. (laughs) Is it my Tushy you're looking for? Uh, Hello, Tushy. Hello, Tushy. What's the... Is the bidet saying hello to your tushy? Is that the is that what's going on here? Who is speaking in the sentence hello tushy? The void. <laughs> the void. The void is speaking. Hello tushy. I hello tushy. I would like to recommend a better way to use the toilet. Tushy. It's, it's tushy. It's the voice of God over here. Tushy. Hello. Uh, hello tushy provides a better and more hygienic way to. Use the toilet. Yes. Uh, a famously uh, uh, unhygienic place. I mean, we're still using a descendant of what our caveman ancestors would do with uh, leaves and a hole in the ground. Hmm. And we're living in the 21st century. Yeah, there should be a space we're, age way to... We're living uh, in an age of wonders. A space, space age equivalent of leaves and a hole in the ground. And what is it, Ken? It's the Hello Tushy 3.0 modern bidet attachment. Okay. It cleanses very it cleanses you with a precise stream of fresh water. Again, not something available to our hunter-gatherer ancestors unless they sat on the geyser just right. Right. And it's not an imprecise uh, geyser. It's not like you're sitting... It's not like somebody with a fire hose. It's not like you're... It's not a blunt instrument, as it were. Right. This is precision stuff. You're not. You're not putting your tushy in a raging torrent. No, it's eco-friendly because you're going to use less toilet paper. It's easy to install um, because it doesn't require any electricity or additional plumbing, Uh, and it's affordable. Yeah. Well, that levels the playing field. You don't want only some people to have. You don't want the billionaires to have clean butts and everybody else, you know, the 99.999% of humanity to have unclean butts. Yeah, we should start calling billionaires clean butts. Hey, what's up, clean butt? I bet your butt's really clean. Boy, that'd really get them. No, but then it would be democratized by Hello Tushy 3.0, which is... You could stand up and say, I too am a clean butt. I too am a clean butt. Clean butts for the masses. We're all clean butts. Uh, It's sanitary. You... You spray, you dry, and you go. No, no, no poking around with little pieces of paper. Oh dear. Go to hellotushy.com slash omnibus to get 10% off plus free shipping of this incredible modern apparatus. Potty apparatus. Yeah. Incredible modern, uh, hygienic system. This is a special offer for our listeners. Go to hellotushy.com slash omnibus. To get 10% off. That's hellotushy.com slash omnibus. 
So multiple names are used. You know, what we think of as a surname, you know, we think of it as just a, a worldwide convention that the first name is the given name and the second name is the surname. But as you've mentioned, the family name, but as you've mentioned, it's different in uh, Hungary and East Asia. Uh, there are variants of it all over. You know, in Russians have patronymics where your last name is just... Or, your, your or father's you have, name. You, yeah, you have a middle name that means like son of, and then your father's name. And in Iceland, that is the surname. Right. Um, Vigfern is his daughter. In Spanish-speaking culture, uh, people have two different last names, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and one is your father's surname and one is your mother's. Oh, and which comes first? I think it's father, then mother. Oh, interesting. And, so, fa- and father gets retained. You know, these are, st- let's not kid ourselves. These are still machisto patriarchal cultures. So. so Gabriel Garcia Marquez's children, were there any, would have the last name Garcia, not Marquez? Yeah, they would keep Garcia and then their mother's name. Oh, how cool. Uh, if I understand correctly. I mean, the reason I'm named John Roderick is because uh, the Welsh, uh, the Welsh were um, son of, you know, John, son of Roderick, Roderick, son of John. And uh, I think in my family pre-English administration, uh, they just traded five or six different names. And this was the problem because even in a small town in Wales, you've got Roderick, son of John, who was son of Roderick, who was son of John. How do you tell who the, who, you know, tell them all apart. And I think when the, the, the British census came in, and I, I always picture a guy sitting at a desk and all these coal miners lined up and they're walking one, you know, walk up to the tent. What's your name? Roderick, son of John. All right. You're John Roderick or you're Roderick John and just write it down in a book. And, and then it, it enters into history. It's in the Domesday book. It must be true. You can't follow my family history past that moment. There is no, following the genealogy in Wales, you just get to that first day and you, you Some know, guy came to town who could read and write yeah, and ruined, ruined everything. everything. And you, you know, you can see through the mist to uh, Roderick, son of John, but the first person to enter into the world is, is John, son of Roderick. Yeah, the lack of uh, opportunity for confusion, just the fact that you know fewer people, is probably what kept middle names from becoming common in, in medieval Europe. You know, if you know one guy named... Jeffrey. Yeah. Cedric. You're, you're good. Calvert. I mean, there, there can't be more. It's not going to be more than one Calvert. Um, and so it was just cities or big towns that necessitated this in Italy, uh, in 13th century Italy, there started to grow a fashion for giving children two given names at birth. And it was actually for religious reasons rather than reasons of convenience. Um, these people wanted to give the child the name of a saint to yes. show their Religious devotion, also presumably to protect the child, to bring the child the favors of, of St. Ignatius or whoever. Um, but there's also the longstanding tradition and maybe deep-seated human need to pass along something of your heritage, so you want to give the child a family name. And if you want to give the child a family name and a saint's name, the obvious solution is, well, why not one of each? Yeah. And that's what became popular then. Uh, and uh, Saint's name in the middle? Yeah, I think usually the family name first and the saint's name in the middle. And even though they were religious, they never, you know, these were not middle initials. Um, although you'd think they would have been following the examples of, of Jesus H. Christ. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's the H for. Holy. The, there's an old joke that the H is for Hallmark because God cared enough to send the very best. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, but um, so these were not initials yet. But, you know, as you and I pointed out, there's a certain um, kind of aristocratic or faux aristocratic air to a three-person, a three-named person. Yeah. Or maybe in the case of your daughter, a four or five-named person. Yeah. Uh, the person who wants to add the the suffix, like the third, like uh, your friend uh, Richard Bullwhip Griffin or whatever or, his name or, was. Or you. Or me. <laughs> I mean, this is why my son is not the fourth, because... He's not named Kenneth. I'm not, I'm not against the name... Kenneth, it's fine. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know if I would. It's not my, in my top 10. Mm, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of It a, hasn't aged well. It's, it, the Kenneth th- is a child's name. The TH is a problem. Well, yeah. it's like a British, a British child's yeah. name. Kenneth. I'm not an engineer for the BBC. Like, <laughs> I'm not like uh, doing sound levels for the kinks right now. Right. Why is my name Kenneth? How many A levels do you have? <laughs> How many A levels do I have? Kenneth. If your name, it doesn't have a sir before it, you shouldn't be named Kenneth. But it's extremely posh. I mean, the poshness 
For instance, the poshness of Brian Eno, form, he's already entered into the omnibus as the, um, as the developer of uh, Oblique Strategies. Mm-hmm. Brian Eno's full name is Brian Peter George St. John Le Baptiste de la Salle Eno. Pretty posh. You you judge the poshness and the length of the name. And the number of times that you have like a French uh, ad, uh, or uh, French conjunctions or um, uh, the number of times that you have French articles in the name. Just, a, just a le or a hyphen popping yeah, up in the middle of a name. very, very, very posh. The hyphen is what shows, like in actual terms of income, the comma would show, the number of commas would show how much money you have. Right. But, uh, but in terms of names, it's definitely the hyphen. The, piano, the hyphen is the poshest punctuation mark. The piano player of Keene, Tim Rice hyphen Oxley, mm-hmm. has a very posh name also. Tim Rice Oxley. The only, yeah, because you couldn't go by Tim Rice. Yeah, or Tim Oxley. I mean, both also pretty posh. The, uh, but that's a recent uh, development. Uh, middle names were not, you know, or a profusion of middle names were not a hallmark of aristocrats in the UK. In the year 1800, the turn of the 19th century, uh, only 10% of British subjects had a middle name. Any middle name at all, let alone seven. It had not spread there at all. Like, uh, you know, it started in Italy. By this time in the 19th century, almost half of French people had a middle name. Typical. And it was largely men. You know, this was true in ancient Rome as well. You know, women would only have two names. Slaves would only have one. It was a marker of state. So in these patriarchal societies, it was largely male, though not entirely. Um, and uh, it was not until the early 19th century that the custom spread to Britain. And uh, and I think like most new additions, it started in the upper classes. Um, there was a, a fad, for example, of giving your child a middle name for the clergyman who baptized him. Oh. Which would be weird. Here's a guy you only saw once. Well, actually, we got the name of our daughter from the nurse that delivered her. Oh, well, there you go. That's yeah. the same thing. Uh, the, the first name or one of the middle names? Uh, uh, actually, her first name. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We, so you just dodged a bullet that she was not delivered by a, a, an Olga or a Varushka. Yeah, right. Blanche. <laughs> a Blanche. A Blanche. <laughs> the last Blanche delivered your baby. Was Catherine de' Medici, did she have any uh, middle names or is de apostrophe <laughs> yeah, her, her middle name? Her middle name was de. <laughs> she was extremely stupid. Uh, no, I don't believe so. I mean- if you're nobility back oh, then. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, does she have multiples? Caterina Maria Romula de Lorenzo de Medici. Well, there you go. Wow, look at her. So in 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 continental Europe, it was already becoming a sign of status to have a profusion of, of extra names. Yes. Just like all the extra other things you have. You have extra paintings, you have extra country homes. Why not extra names? And this is true of names today. Have you seen the Freakonomics research about how you can use social security information in the u.s to see a new name enter uh in uh kind of affluent you know these are the people with the with the um the desire to seem unique by creating new names but then they kind of waft downward and as soon as they um as soon as they become names that have become to the rich tainted by belonging to working class people or god forbid minorities yeah uh, that's when they start to go out of fashion with uh, with the upper class. I've never yet seen anyone named Mick George or Chevy that wasn't a rich person. Mick so, George. Mick George. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the first uh, like NASCAR driver named Mick George. Uh, the, and so this was true as well in the UK of middle names. Um, it, started as a, it started as a fad for people with money. And that's why to this day we have this... Uh, stereotype of long or hyphenated names belonging to uh, the wealthy. And then it started to spread downward. In the U.S., uh, it was not common during the colonial period. You know, none of the founding fathers had middle names. Only 5% of Americans at the time of independence had a middle name. And yet, 100 years later, roughly, by 1900, it was almost universal. Whoa. So, so there's an interesting thing, a tipping point that gets reached. How, how, how quickly did that happen it's a century it's not a generation but it's a century Uh um and in the 19th century you know now we have data we can start to look at who these people were about three-fourths of these middle names were family names you know they were lineage but fully a quarter of them were for heroes um in the chesapeake region in the 19th century fully 40 percent of families had a child named after george washington so I, i have some in my own family yeah 
Okay. If you look at genealogical records from that period, it is just ubiquitous. That it was just understood, and it, it's a it's an understanding of the founding fathers that we don't have today. Even in even in very patriotic conservative circles, people are not naming their children Thomas Jefferson, whatever anymore. And it may be because that's become tainted by becoming a custom of African American culture. You know, having oh sure Roosevelt, having children named for Franklin Roosevelt, or I. There are more than one. Uh, men in my family history named William Henry Harrison Pretty. He was a war hero before he was a, a, a briefly president. So this is not just, well, guess it's got to be after the current chief executive, no matter how boring. Because, you know, he was a hero of the, well, not a hero today, but right. he was a military leader of the Indian Wars. Yeah. Tipican, Battle of Tippecanoe. That's right. And so, and uh, and these were Ohioans, mm-hmm. Western Ohioans, and William Henry Harrison figured large, you know, chased Tecumseh right out of there, Tecumseh's brother, at least. So it's hard to say why this uh, happened in America over the course, because this is this is essential to where middle, you know, you can't have a middle initial without a middle name, and you know, of the first, well, you can. There are people that have middle that's initials true. without middle names, but it would be unlikely for them to to uh, evolve on their own, right? <laughs> right. You know what I need a W. Uh, you know, of the first dozen presidents, only John Quincy Adams uh, had a middle name, and presumably f- to distinguish him from his famous father. Yeah, like John Quincy. John Quincy, <laughs> go get water from the well. And after John Quincy Adams, no American president had a middle name until 1844, when James Knox Polk was elected. That was the first president with a with a middle name. Middle name that wasn't trying to. Yeah, that wasn't John Quincy Adams. Uh, And yet, from the middle of the 19th century on, from Ulysses S. Grant on, uh, every U.S. president has had a middle name except for Benjamin Harrison and William McKinley. And they both had excuses. Benjamin Harrison was named for a signer of the Declaration of Independence in his his family, who was just Benjamin Harrison, because he came from a time before uh, uh, middle names. And William McKinley, I think, was named for his father. So they're both throw they they're both throwback names. Every president since the Civil War has had a middle name. Well, every post Andrew Johnson president has had a middle name. And it wasn't until the 20th century world the World War One induction form was the first U.S. government form that even had a space for a middle name. Oh, so in the 20th century we started to put middle names and middle uh, middle initials on forms. What was the last U.S. president that didn't have a middle name? Uh, it would be William McKinley, I believe. Oh. Um, and, you know, we've had presidents who went by their middle names, Thomas Woodrow Wilson and John Calvin Coolidge. And, uh, you know, there's an interesting case with uh, President Grant, whose uh, Ulysses S. Grant is pretty, I think, central to this story. But his first name, is, as we'll see in a second, is not Ulysses. Now, middle initials did not become super customary in the U.S. Uh, and Again, they appear to have not spread much outside the U.S. until the 20th century. Every president from FDR to Gerald Ford, I think that's seven presidents in a row, not just had a middle name, but used a middle initial. Uh-huh. You know. John uh, F. Kennedy. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Right. Uh, Lyndon. Well, Lyndon was always Lyndon Baines. I think it's LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson. Like, you think high schools in Texas are are not Lyndon B. Johnson? No, I think high? they're Lyndon Baines Johnson. He was he was one. You know, you know, if you say Richard Milhouse Nixon, you're doing it as a yeah, it's Richard M. Nixon. Yeah, you're doing it as a goof on him. But Lyndon Baines Johnson is is I think how either LBJ or Lyndon Baines Johnson. Uh, they uh, you know, the Wikipedia entry for LBJ is Lyndon B. Johnson. Is it really? It is. I, I've never heard anybody call him that. Oh, really? Yeah. I think you're missing out. Richard M. Nixon. I don't, you know, wasn't Carter the first yeah. that didn't have... In fact, Carter was sworn in, I believe, as Jimmy. Wow. And I think that was the thing. Like, I'm I'm a new, I'm a breath of fresh air. I'm just I, a southern peanut farmer. That's right. I, I'm just here to talk in a very sort of soft uh, palate voice. Uh <laughs> And, and I think that was a distinct choice that he's the, you know, he's the, the common man. You Gerald know, the, R. Ford. Re- Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. And then Ronald Reagan lost it, right? There's no, you don't right. think of Ron, No president since, I mean, for the Bushes, you had to. Yeah. But nobody said. W. And then, you know, part of it is the, um, the uh, continuance of, of nicknames, you know, 
it sounds weird. You know, Bill Clinton is William Jefferson Clinton, but it sounds weird to say Bill J. Clinton. Yeah. The informality of the middle name of the first name class of the nickname clashes with the right. the superfluous middle initial. Bill J. Although, although Joe R. Biden does do it, right? Yeah. Joe R. Biden. Yeah, it does. Joe R. So I'm on the I'm on the I'm on Whitehouse.gov and Joe R. sounds like a the name of a character from the TV show Dallas. <laughs> Lyndon B. Johnson is, in fact, listed as Lyndon B. Johnson on WhiteHouse.gov. Lyndon B. Johnson, okay. But how yeah, do I? Maybe it doesn't. But I kind of want to see who is. Oh, but you know that's just a convention of the page. Oh, but it's true that they they do not say Herbert C. Hoover, who did not use his middle initial, and they do not say Jimmy Carter. They say James Carter. Um, but after that, it's up to the president. Barack Obama does not use his H. Uh, perhaps for because it stands for Hussein. He yeah. doesn't care to bring attention to it. <laughs> I think know. his joke was always that, like, I got my first name from my father, and I got my middle name from someone who never thought I would be president, or be running for president. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I thought he was, was going to say, I got, uh, I got my middle name from the true leader of, of, of the free world. Uh, King Hussein of Jordan? Yeah, King Hussein. <laughs> Obviously. King Hussein of Jordan. The... Um, you know, Barack Obama, his foundation to create his presidential library uh, changed its name a few years ago from the Barack H. Obama Foundation to the Barack Obama Foundation. Oh, wait, he's still sort of trying to de-emphasize it. Apparently. It would would seem after you've retired as president, you should really put it to the fore. Boy, Ken, I was thinking the other day that waiting months to hire the right person is just like trying to get a video to load on 3G. I deserve better. It's a timely reference, John. <laughs> There's a way you can upgrade your hiring speed, just, you know, like you could upgrade your device to get faster downloads. Right. I would upgrade your hiring speed by using Indeed's Instant Match. You know, I spend a lot of time just hoping my perfect candidate will find me, but I'm beginning to realize that Indeed's hiring tools could help me cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. Yeah, Indeed Instant Match will immediately deliver quality candidates uh, whose resumes on Indeed will fit your job description. You know, 90% of employers get quality candidates from Indeed's resume database as soon as they sponsor a job post. And Talentness says that Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Well, let us recommend that you join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. If you are hiring... Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Omnibus to help you upgrade your post. Get a $75 credit. That's a $75 credit. Those are American dollars too, not Australian dollars. At Indeed.com slash Omnibus. Indeed.com slash Omnibus. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. I have to wonder why middle initials in the 20th century. I mean, you can say that the profusion of, of middle names in the 19th century was a result of this increasing density we've talked about. Now you might know two John Smiths or, or you know, your employer's files might have two John Smiths. And suddenly there's more utility to being able to distinguish between them with a middle name, a second, a second given name. Um, but why a letter showing up in a name? Uh you know, there are some British examples. You know, to me, the the first middle and first name and the initial that precedes the middle name, the C. Thomas Howell, is of the world. Um, that that sounds kind of British to me. Maybe because of writers like W. Somerset Maugham and H. Ryder Haggard. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of uncommon, and uh, maybe as as it's a little bit bohemian. As as artists, they're okay adding a dash of a letter where. Why, why did Somerset Mom not go by what I presume is William? It is William. And I think often his books would say William Somerset Mom, but friends called him Somerset. Hmm. That's, and, a, uh, that's a cool name as well. Full, full disclosure, you know, like I, I do have a first name. I'm going to, I'm just going to let you know. I'm going to, the W clues you in. Why is W.E.B. Dubois all three initials? Yeah. So those are, I was kind of, I was wondering if the fad for middle initials in 20th century America came from turn of the century celebrities who used multiple initials, P, your P.T. Barnums yeah. or your W.E.B. Dubois. But I think you have to look back to the Civil War where there were, you know, that's a little earlier and there were some of these three initial guys, J.E.B. Stewart and P.G.T. Beauregard. 
Um, most generals did not use their middle names uh, or, or initials. Meade and Burnside had middle names, but did not use or initialize them. But obviously the two biggest names of the war, Ulysses S. Grant and Robert E. Lee, used middle initials. Right. And a time when it was not common, you know, when middle names were starting to catch on and initials were not yet common. Robert Lee and Ulysses, I mean, Ulysses Grant is going to be a general and president of the United States, no matter what you say. But Robert Lee just doesn't, doesn't scan. Yeah. But Robert E. Lee. I cannot explain the E in Robert E. Lee. It's for Edward, um, mm-hmm. but I, I can't explain the initial, uh, where it the, came, the choice to use an initial. What inspired him to do it. Yeah. It may have been military culture. We know the story of Ulysses S. Grant, who was born Hiram Ulysses Grant. Uh, a family, the family friend who signed him up for West Point did not know him well, and perhaps assuming <laughs> that invented an initial, perhaps assuming that it would be his mother's maiden name, which is a common use for uh, for middle names to right. to honor the mother's family by making their making the mother's maiden name a, a middle name of the child. So it's possible that uh, this family friend thought that his mother's maiden name of Simpson might be his middle name and just put S on the form, and that stuck at West Point because it's U.S. Oh right, his friends at West Point called him Sam. Uh-huh. Uncle Sam. Oh, well done. Um, well done, West Pointers. But he had an S that really stood for nothing until he decided, well, I'll, I guess I'll just use the family name of Simpson because it was a mistake. He should have been Hiram Ulysses Grant. And there's some speculation that maybe he just did not like his initials. Well, his initials are Hug. What a sweet name. We, you and I would love that. Oh, Hug. But he did not come from a time, you know, there were a few soy boys in West Point yeah, in, in, the, uh, in the 1840s. Yeah, I'm right? not Hug. Not Hug. <laughs> Um, um, US, USA Grant. And I wonder if, uh, there is something about, and the guy that promoted him just didn't even know his first name was Hiram. He's yeah. like, oh yeah. Oh, little Ulysses. From- I think, I think he went by Ulysses. He, yeah. he was, he was, went by his middle name. And so the guy filling out the forms got it wrong and the rest is history. And it, it may have changed American history because having Ulysses S. Grant, you know, depending on which part of the country you're from, Ulysses S. Grant, Robert E. Lee are two pretty formative names. Yeah. And like people who grew up in our age, where the president always had a middle initial, you start thinking of that as a a seal of a sign of status and and power, right? Um, but when your father named you or your your mother named you, it was before we understood that that a, per, a name a middle name of Wayne is a serial killer name, and they should avoid it at all costs, right? And in my case, it was a family name that went back to my grandfather, born in the. 1920s. So, you know, obviously. Wayne Jennings. Oh my God, the crimes he committed. We may never know. We may never know all those, <laughs> the, the explanation behind all those disappearances and. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're all, pretty. You're all those missing drifters. Pretty good at, at the perfect crime. Do you think it's something about, it certainly matches our idea of 20th century military culture, that they would be okay with a letter standing in for a name. Right. Just as a, a mark of efficiency or, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, the military would have forms for, for regular folks in an age when regular folks would otherwise not be appearing in paperwork. Um, so maybe there was something about military culture that made Ulysses S. Grant or Robert E. Lee sound not avant-garde, but um, sure, know, it a, does a certain have kind of rigor. A kind of formality that's, yeah, that feel, well, I guess it feels strong. And in the 20th century, you know, there was a, yeah, th- th- so that's what came to be conveyed. I don't know if it's inherent or just the fact that it started out with these generals, but it conveyed a certain kind of strength and official status, and it just became, de rigueur. Every, in the 20th century, everybody had middle initials. It spread even to fictional characters. You know, there, uh, it came to be realized that there was a certain funny tension between the formality of a middle initial and the reality of a kind of off-the-wall character. So you right. get Alfred E. Newman. Alfred E. Newman, exactly. <laughs> or or John Q. Public as kind of a joke about, you know, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Middle America or John Q. Because it's funny, you know, yeah. there's like a, his middle initials Q. And we have, a, you know, because these things persist in popular culture longer than in real life, there's still James T. Kirk, where it, symbolize, where it stands in for authority, and Homer J. Simpson, where it's a certain kind of old-timey dadness. I don't know what Wild E. Coyote is. Not, oh, it's not even much of a pun, Wiley. I, it always b- bothered me. Wile is not a name, so you're, you're not getting any kind of double meaning out of calling him Wile E. Coyote. But it's just the 20th century 
ubiquity of middle initials. I, I don't think it was until I was in my 30s that I understood the joke. There's no joke. Wiley. He's Wiley. Yeah, he is Wiley, but there's no joke in him being Wile E. Well, and also... Because Wile is not a name. Wiley with a Y actually is a name. Yeah, Wiley Everybody of that name. generation would have known about Wiley Post. Wiley, Wiley Coyote. Wiley. Wiley Lee. But that was, uh, now that I think about it, that was kind of popular in mid-century American popular culture. It was Kermit T. Frog, uh-huh. you know, with the joke that the T was for the. But he, when he was a, an anchorman on the air, he would announce himself as as Will, as Kermit T. Frog, just like, you know, George R. or Edward R. Murrow. You know? Kermit T. Frog. Well, you know, first name Mr., middle name period, last name T. <laughs> You think Mr. T's middle name is period? Yeah, he said he that was that, that was, was his that was, own catchphrase. explanation of it. First name Mr. Second name period. Third name T. The reason why I thought this would be perfect for the omnibus is because uh this is a swiftly vanishing moment in 20th century life. The time when everybody from IBM executives to to uh athletes had middle initials. Do you know anyone who doesn't have a middle name? I have met someone who claimed not to have a middle name, and I forget who they were. My wife did not have a middle name at birth, and this is not, this was not uncommon in women of our generation, so that they could keep, presuming that they would marry and presuming they would take their husband's name, that they could keep their their father's their name. father's name as a middle name. Right. It's, it's the and it, it you know in the case of my wife, this was a my father in law didn't have sons at the time, so maybe this is his shot at uh, preserving a. His last name. Is there any, has, has there been at any point in time um, that your wife, Mindy, was referred to as Mrs. Kenneth Wayne Jennings? <laughs> That's not a thing anymore. I mean, maybe on, uh, like, it, it might still happen on, you know, wedding or dinner invitations. Yeah. You know, doctor, and I think our wedding invitations might have said, doctor and Mrs. Mindy's father's name. Invite you to. Right. Uh, oh, I see. But that's that seems to be going away for ideological reasons. Yeah, the idea. I mean, it's it's weird enough that we make the custom is still for many women to change their names at marriage. The idea they would lose their given names as well. <laughs> I saw it not very long ago, uh, Mrs. You know William F. Banks or something, and I don't remember what the context was, but it definitely was like, oh, wow, still, whoa, heck a slamming. <laughs> Was it? Is it Heckeslam? It's not really Heckeslam, and it was just I got Heckeslammed. Uh, the the slam would be a good name for like a wrestler finishing move. Some oh, little yeah. some little prince looking guy who <laughs> who finishes you off with the Heckeslam. I walked in. Initials are on the decline. Uh, a few years ago, a New York Times writer named Bruce Filer attempted to quantify, you know, because the the decline of the middle initial in American public life. If you look at the congressional what, what do you call the list of members of Congress? Is there a list? Name roster. <laughs> Is it a roster? Yeah. The rotation. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the the members of Congress, in the year 1900, 84% of members of Congress had middle names. In, as, in 1970, it was still 70%. So it held up into, uh, and then the baby boomers kill, killed it. By t- 2019, it had dropped to, or maybe, when did you do this work? 2014? I can't read my own writing. By the last decade, in this, the last decade, it had dropped to thirty-eight percent. Now you're not saying they don't have middle names, no. but just that they're they, not listed. Yeah, as. this is the use of the middle initial. Middle, I see. middle names are more common than ever, and as you point out, people are maybe giving kids a number of middle names because just for the kind of the, the fun of the parents. I yeah, guess. right. The child will not benefit by this in any way, and might in fact be annoyed by it. Uh, well, well, in our case, our daughter has tried a couple of different of her middle names, but but what happened is that the her first three names, her first name and her two middle names, uh-huh. actually f- form a name, like Jeb Stewart. Yeah. Nobody called him J-E-B, they called him Jeb. Um, Save time. And uh, and then uh, apparently Jeb Bush was named after him. Weird. But, um, but yeah, our daughter for a while, on her softball team, was known as the name that her first three initials uh, make. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But that did not stick. It did. She still is called that name by several, by, you know, people that know her. And I, I bet she'll have a softball name. Yeah. It's a kind of a cool sports name. Yeah. I, I know many parents who have given their, and it's, it really is just, I think it's kind of the ego of childbirth, like the creative impulse. Like why, yeah, why give a kid one name if you could do six? Yeah. Why not put McGeorge in there? Um, but the loss of middle initials, I, I'm assuming is Maybe more of an egalitarian impulse. Part of the Jimmy Carter vibe of like, I'm just a, I'm not one of these 
Washington people. The reason I didn't name my child Kenneth Wayne Jennings IV, because it sounded a little bit priggish, I think. Oh, I see. Uh, the, the fourth, I think, is always a bad idea. Well, it's also, he would be the third now, because everybody would have moved no, up. We don't do that in our family. That's not correct. Um, so there was a- sim- And you gave your son like a like a cool hippie name, like Dylan, like ha- a handkerchief around the head. It's a middle name. So he could actually be T. Dylan Jennings if he wanted to be a- But today, I feel like that's also been colored as priggish just by all the kind of robber barons and J. Pierpont Morgans and J. Paul Gettys and T. Boone Pickenses that did it. But T. Dylan sounds very bohemian to me. T. Dylan Jennings. It used to sound bohemian, I think, to have the first initial first. I think Picasso experimented with being P. Ruiz Picasso, you know, when he would sign his work. Or maybe it was, yeah, maybe, or maybe Pablo Ruiz P or something. But yeah, Pablo Ruiz Picasso is a hard name to say. And it also. Not for, not for them. But Pablo Ruiz, it's like Ruru. Pablo I'm sure it Ruiz. trips delightfully off the Latin Pablo tongue. It's just Ruiz. us. It's just, uh, it's just us Northern Europeans who can't hack it. But it doesn't sound like a cool painter. You're right. You, you can see why he went with Pablo Picasso. Picasso. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Ba-ba. It's the rhythm of it. Uh, Nobody ever called Pablo Picasso an asshole. Bruce Feiler, well, probably all of his wives and mistresses. Bruce Feiler uh, also looked at Pulitzer winners, found that in the 20s and 30s, the majority of them had middle names. By the 40s and 50s, it was down to half. Um, then there's a big dip between the 80s and the 90s. It dropped from 43 to 26% uh, between Whoa. the 80s and the 90s. And people who previously were using middle initials uh, dropped them. Nicholas D. Kristof writing in the New York Times was always Nicholas D. Kristof. And then he wrote a column about how, uh, you know what? I just, this just conveys the wrong thing anymore. This now seems old timey and I'm going to lose the D. It was around the same time that, uh, Obama's foundation lost the H. It just, it just started to seem like a relic, I guess. To me, it sounds like a, a, a boardroom, you know, a fifties boardroom. Huh? And it's still true uh-huh. in, uh, I, and I, I've thought about this before because, um, you know, the U.S. government's increasingly a gerontocracy, and that's why Donald J. Trump and Joseph R. Biden still kind of have the, will have the middle initial probably on their presidential portrait. And the same is true in, uh, among Latter-day Saints, the leadership of the church is, you know, in their 70s and 80s and 90s, and they all still have the middle initial because they came up in a time when that conveyed official status in America. You got to have a middle initial on your nameplate. And somehow the the hyphen in Exala, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is some <laughs> is totally different, right? The hyphen seems progressive and it's it no longer feels aristocratic. It feels I like, assume I assume because the names are are Latino names. Is that why? No, no, because the suggestion so? is that the, her parents combined oh, their I last see. names yes. to make a you know, a hyphen name. Yes. That, and that's true today. That's true. You, you will see more. Yeah. The hyphenated kids at a Seattle middle school are, are coming from progressive parents, keeping the mom's name around at least for a generation. Right. You could just keep going forever. You know, the, their, their kids might have four hyphenated last names and their kids will have eight. But she's AOC, which is very JFK. <laughs> she is the first American politician since Maybe LBJ, JFK no, or LBJ, JFK, yeah, yeah, to to have the the three letter thing. Gonna, she's going to have an airport someday. <laughs> I do think we lose something in to in losing the middle initial because there's been some research on what middle initials do convey. In 2014, two uh, social scientists. I know you love these guys. Wait, with, I would I, just one more thing about okay. AOC. Her uh, her mother's last name was. Uh, Ocasio Cortez. So that's her that's her mother's name. Yeah. She doesn't have a father's surname at all. Her father's last name was Ocasio Roman. Oh, interesting. So she was able to keep. I wonder if did, do you think the do you think her mom adopted her dad's Ocasio? Yeah, do you think she took the Ocasio? I think is it Ocasio? Sorry. How um, long have you lived in the Northwest, John, and not been able to pronounce Ocasio Cortez. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think that her mother's uh, maiden name was Cortez, and so Sergio Ocasio, Ocasio Roman, she took married Mrs. Cor- Ms. Cortez, Ms. Cortez, and it became, became Ocasio. Ocasio, Ocasio Cortez. But it's interesting that she kept her well, one of her dad's name and one of her mom's. This would have been the Gabriel Garcia Marquez uh, switcheroo, where right. it, yeah, interesting. 
Uh, here's what happens when you lose a middle initial, though. There are some costs. In 2014, uh, Wynand A.P. Van Tilburg of the University of Southampton and Eric R. Igu of the University of Limerick. So uh, these are British and Well, it's a Irish British and people. Irish university, but the names appear to be maybe Dutch and uh, uh, of African or West Indian descent. Mm-hmm. Um, they performed an interesting study on middle initials. They would give us, uh, you know, 100 undergraduates a textual sample to read. It was a small, it was a... A factual but not technical description of Einstein's uh, formulation of the theory of relativity. They would read a short excerpt about relativity, and then they would uh, report on how um, uh, you know intelligent or, or um, elevated they found the the text of the sample to be. And the sample would be variously credited to a David Clark, a David F. Clark, a David F. P. Clark, or a David F. P. R. Clark. And you will not be surprised to hear. Well, I don't know. What's your guess? Like, what do you think the finding is? What what effect does the middle initial have on readers of the passage? Oh, does it alienate? It actually does not. The uh, a single middle initial. Uh, David F. Clark's work was found to be um, smarter and more competent than the work of David Clark. Right. When the only difference is the middle initial. And I believe that, it. And that happened again when three middle initials were. There's no bump with two, but a bump to three. David F. P. R. Clark seems smarter still than David F. Clark. I believe it. it the result, he is smarter. <laughs> because he's got the F. Yeah. The result held for mid, for female names. The result held for asking students which of them they would want to, um, to join them on some kind of intellectual competition. But interestingly, not an athletic competition. If you ask who do you want to be on your track team or your swimming team, a middle initial didn't help. So it doesn't, oh, it doesn't just convey... It slows you down. Yeah, it doesn't convey strength or confidence. It's kind of nerdy. It conveys academic achievement, right. but no other kind. And you, you can get rid of the effect by adding a title. Professor David Clark and Professor David F. Clark, I guess, sound equally uh, uh, prestigious or intelligent. Um, but by losing middle names, to this day, we are losing the, uh, you know, if you want to seem smarter, uh, you can add a middle initial. It's not too late to become John M. Roderick and wow your, wow your fans. I mean, I think I am... John M. Roderick. No, I don't sign my name that right, way, though. Is that what you have it. to do? Yeah, you have to go by it. People John have to M. think Roderick. the way people... I mean, today it's just... The only people you see doing it today are um, doing it for Screen Actors Guild reasons, right? Yeah, like yeah, right. Michael B. Jordan cannot be Michael Jordan. There Michael was, J. Fox. There was already a Michael Fox, so Michael Andrew Fox had to take on a middle initial and he chose J instead of A. Yeah, it worked. Um, I do initial things JMR. Do you initial things oh, yeah. KW? Uh, Actually, I don't. I think I initial things you just, just KJ. You just do KJ. Yeah. But I do JMR every time. JMR is good. Yeah. The W is a problem. It's got too many syllables. Yeah, right. Whoa, 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 whoa. The, uh, the most interesting thing about initials I found, this goes back to Hiram Ulysses Grant. Uh, there's a 1999 study in which they looked at people whose middle initials formed a word. Okay. And they divided them into good words, you know. Hug. Whether your middle initial is sad or rat or bug or dud. And then they compared that to people whose middle initials were ace or god or win. And in fact, there is a very extremely measurable lifespan difference. What? The, the, four, the four shortest lived initial combinations in the study were bad ones. P- people whose initials are sad only live to be 59.9 on average. The rats die around 63. The bugs also around six, The bugs and the duds also around in their 64th year. Whereas Ace lives to be 73 years old on average. God and Wynn live to be 74. Whoa. I don't know if I believe this result. There could be maybe intervening variables. What, 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 it, what it makes me think of is that someone applied for this grant and it was granted <laughs> and someone spent a bunch of money doing this research or at least some money. You know what you call that grant? What? You call it the Hiram Ulysses grant. And that concludes middle initials. Entry 786.LK0161. Certificate number 21831 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that middle names survive into a time when you're all just one big floating mat of seagrass. I mean, in dystopian futures, it seems like the, the little orphans running around are just named Toad and, Scramp. and Newt and stuff. So right. Bug. You probably dud. all have little one-syllable names. <laughs> hey, Dud, come here. <laughs> um, you can find K 
Kenneth Wayne Shepard. No, Kenneth. You know, Kenny Wayne Shepard is a is a famous blues oh, guitar I didn't player. Know. So Kenny Wayne is actually has a has a. There's somebody already out there named Kenny Wayne. As a city dweller, I feel like Kenny is really stolen valor for me. I can't be blind, Kenny Jennings. Kenny Kenny Jennings. I don't know. <laughs> what if I started calling you Kenny? I don't uh, think so. When I, I was a kid, so. I was often Kenny or Little Kenny because of the profusion of other people named Ken or Kenneth in my family. Right. To tell me apart. Little Kenny. And the fact that my that side of the family came from like Texas, Oklahoma area. Anyone ever call you Letter Kenny? No. Oh. No. Or Slater Kenny. Oh. Or. Different Kenny. I'm out of Kenny's. Uh, you can find uh, Kenneth here on uh, the internet uh, under at Ken Jennings. You can still find the... The shadow of me, the uh, the breeze that was once me at John Roderick, uh, but more likely you'll find me at my Patreon, patreon.com slash John Roderick. You can support this show, and we appreciate your support. This uh, Today's show, Middle Initials, uh, was, as Ken said at the top, a user suggestion. A Tom Dignan joint mm-hmm. brought to you by the letter W and the letter M. Support. That's right. Ken took the letter W off his letter sweater and (laughs) changed middle initials into whittle initials. Uh, You can support the show at patreon.com slash omnibus project. You can email us at the omnibus project at gmail.com. You can join with other fans and futurelings wherever futurelings can be found. And you can mail us things. Uh, We receive a great many things, uh, including a quilt that's on its way to me. It was sent once and then sent back because Ken and Mindy didn't check the mail. I don't know. Why do they send? Why do they send? We were out of town for a week and they, the post office just takes stuff out of our box. I don't know. It's weird, but it's been resent. I blame Louis DeJoy. Louis DeJoy. Louis D. DeJoy. That guy, I'm sure, still uses the middle. Louis D. Joy. Uh, You can send things to us at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long this civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come, but if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.